Chapter Fourteen of Miss Meredith. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Monica Raleigh. Miss Meredith by Amy Levy. Chapter Fourteen. It was four o'clock in the afternoon, already the front of the house was in shadow and the drawing-room was cool and dark. Here Andrea and I were standing face to face, both pale, both resolute, while the Marchesa looked from one to the other with anxious eyes. "'You wrote this?' he asked, holding up my unfortunate scroll. "'Yes, I wrote it.' "'And you meant what you wrote?' "'Yes.' he came a little nearer to me speaking it seemed with a certain passionate contempt and you expected me elsie to accept such an answer before the fire of his glance my eyes fell suddenly i have no other answer to give you i murmured brokenly the marchesa who had stayed in the room by my own request glanced questioningly from one to the other evidently unable to follow the rapid english of the dialogue is it possible, Elsie, that you have deceived me? That you, who seemed so true, are falser than words can say? Have you forgotten what you said to me, what your eyes said as well as your lips a few short hours ago? I have not forgotten, but I cannot marry you. Then you do not love me, Elsie? You have been amusing yourself. If you choose to think so, I cannot help it. Elsie, whatever promise you have made to my mother, Whatever promise may have been extorted from you, remember that our first promise and your duty were to me. I shivered from head to foot when my heart echoed his words, but I had given my word and I would not go back from it. Never should my mother's daughter thrust herself unwelcomed in any house. Have you nothing to say to me, Elsie? Nothing. Mother, he cried, turning flashing eyes to the Marchesa, what have you been saying to her? by what means have you so transformed her how have you succeeded in wringing from her a most unjust promise stay i interposed speaking also in italian no promise has been wrung from me i gave it freely marchesino it seems you cannot believe it yet it is true that of my own free will i refuse to marry you that i take back my unconsiderate word of this morning i am no wife for you and you no husband for me a few hours of reflection have sufficed very plainly to show me that he stood there paler than ever looking at me with a piteous air of incredulity elsie it is not possible consider remember it is not true his voice broke wavered and fell from the passionate entreaty of his eyes i turned my own way it is true marchesino that i will never never marry you clear cold and cruel though very low were the tones of my voice i know not what angel or fiend was giving me strength and utterance i only know that it was not the normal elsie who thus spoke and acted there was a pause which seemed to last an age then once again his voice broke the stillness since then you choose to spoil my life elsie and perhaps who knows your own there is no more to be said far be it for me to extort a woman's consent from her the only love worth having is that which is given freely which has courage which has pride 
very hard and contemptuous sounded his words my heart cried out in agony andrea you are unjust but i stood there dumb as a fish with clasped hand and a drooping head mother went on andrea will you kindly summon my father and the others miss meredith oblige me and stay a few moments i am sorry to trouble you they came in slowly through the open door the old man his son and the two younger ladies anxious expectant andrea turned towards them my father he said this lady refuses to marry me and no doubt everybody is content that she declines to face the hostility that this courtesy of my family is not perhaps greatly to be wondered at it is evident that i am not considered worthy of so great a sacrifice on her part i do not blame her rather i blame my own credulity in thinking my love returned but i wish you all to know he added that i have entirely altered my plans i shall write off my appointment in england and shall start to-night for livorno on my way to america my mother you will kindly send for an orario that i may know at what time to order the carriage miss meredith i bid you good-bye he turned round suddenly and faced me holding out his hand with an air of ceremony as for me i glanced from the dear hand the dear eyes to the circle of dismayed faces beyond then without a word i rushed through the open door to my room not daring to allow myself a moment's thought i fell to immediately packing fitting in a neat mosaic of stockings and petticoats as though it were the one object of existence i do not know if it were minutes or hours before the marchesa came in pale and unusually agitated with no air of enjoying her victory signorina she said the train for genoa leaves at eight i have ordered the carriage for seven fifteen you would prefer perhaps to dine in your room i do not wish for dinner thank you you must allow me to thank you once again miss meredith do not thank me i cried with sudden passion i have done nothing to be thanked for for indeed i was enjoying none of the compensations of martyrdom for me it was the pang without the palm as the poet says i had fallen in a cause in which i did not believe had been pressed into a service for which i had no enthusiasm if you will excuse me marchesa i went on there are some books of mine in the schoolroom which i must fetch and with a little bow i swept into the corridor with an air as stately as her own andrea's room was on the same floor as my own but at the other end of the passage and i had to pass it on my way to the schoolroom the door stood wide open and just outside was a large trunk which pasquale the servant was engaged in packing while his master gave directions and handed things from the threshold i heard their voices as i came at what time does the train go for livorno did you say at nine excellenza the carriage will be back in time from the station i glided past as rapidly as possible filled with a certain mournful humour at this spectacle of the gentleman packing his box at one end of the hall while the lady packed hers at the other my room was empty when i regained it and with a heavy heart i finished my sad task locking the box labelling and strapping it then i put on my grey travelling dress my hat veil and gloves and sat down by the window it was only half past five and these preparations were a little premature but this confused chaotic day seemed beyond the ordinary measurements of time 
a maid-servant with a dainty little dinner on a tray was the next arrival on the scene she set it down on a table near me but i took no heed as if i could have swallowed a mouthful i was quite calm now only unutterably mournful i have spoiled my life i thought as my eyes fixed themselves drearily on the river the old houses opposite the marble bridge once also strange now grown so dear i have spoiled my life and for what ah if mother had only been here to stand by me but i was alone what was i to do oh andrea do you hate me the tears streamed down my face as i said oh my beloved pisa i thought again how can i bear to leave you once more came a knock at the door the little quick knock of the marchesa and as i responded duly i reflected no doubt she comes to insult me with my salary and the worth of it is i shall have to take it for if i don't how am i to get home she looked very unlike her usual self-possessed self as she came towards me miss meredith my husband wishes to speak to you i rose wearily in mechanical obedience and followed her silent and dejected downstairs to the marchesa's room here amid his books and papers sat the old man looking the picture of wretchedness ah signorina he said what will you think of me of us all of the favour which very humbly i have to beg of you i cannot bear thus to part from my son he is going far away from me in anger for an indefinite time it is you and you only who can persuade him to stop i look up in sudden astonishment my child go to him tell him that he can stay marchese i am sorry but you ask what is impossible i do not wonder he said with a most touching yet dignified humility i do not wonder at your reply my wife it is your part to speak to this lady with set lips yet unbalancing front the gallant little marchesa advanced miss meredith do not in this matter consider yourself bound by any promise you have made to me i release you from it may not the matter be considered ended i cried in very weariness that i have come between your son and his family no one regrets more than i only let me go away the old man rose slowly left the room and went to the foot of the stairs andrea andrea i heard him call his excellency has not finished packing answered the voice of pasquale andrea andrea cried his father again then came rapid footsteps and in a few seconds andrea stood once more before me he turned from one to the other questioningly the marchese took my hand my son he said can you not persuade this lady to remain with us he looked up my andrea and our eyes met but on neither side was speech or movement the old man went on andrea it is possible that we did wrong your mother and i in attempting to interfere with you in this matter you must forgive us if we are slow to understand the new spirit of radicalism which it seems is the spirit of the times once before our wishes clashed but my son i cannot bear to send you away in anger a second time as for this lady she knows how deeply we all respect her persuade her to forgive us if indeed you can andrea i saw was deeply moved he shaded his eyes with his hand and the tears flowed down my own cheeks unchecked well elsie it is for you to decide he spoke at last coldly in an off-hand manner 
i was lacking in pride perhaps in dignity for though i said nothing i held out my hand are you quite sure you love me elsie quite quite sure andrea i am so glad cried bianca some ten minutes later giving me a hug i am so glad it is you and not that bad-tempered costanza we are all glad said the old marchese holding out his hand with a smile while romeo and his mother stood bearing their defeat with commendable grace so it came to pass that on the evening of that wonderful day andrea and i instead of being borne by express trains to genoa and legon respectively were pacing the gallery arm in arm in the sunlight we had been engaged in this occupation for about an hour and now he knew all about my mother and sisters and the details of the happy life at islington we will live in england but every year we will come to italy he was saying as we paused before the bronzino which seemed to have taken in the situation i love italy more than any place in the world i answered a pause we will be married immediately after easter elsie andrea i go home the day after to-morrow and to-morrow he said we will go to the mountains End of chapter fourteen recording by monica rolly end of miss meredith by amy levy